0: Welcome to Top Shelf at the Merrick Library with your host, Carol Ann Tack. Welcome to Top Shelf at Merrick Library. I am your host, Carol Ann Tack, and I thank you all for joining me on this trip back to Niflheim, courtesy of today's guest, Edward Ashton, for his brand new book, anti Blues, which is the latest Mickey Seven book and early reviews are out and Booklist says that Ashton's follow up to his excellent Mickey Seven is just as much fun as its predecessor. And then Library Journal gave the book a starred review and they say Anti Matter Blues is a nonstop science fiction adventure from beginning to end. And of course, when I read that, I thought adventure because I was really kind of terrified when they left the base. But before we even get to that, Edward Ashton, it is so nice to see you again, and I thank you so much for taking the time to join me and the listeners of Merrick Library's Top Shelf Podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Ed, you were so kind to join me way back in 2021, which honestly seems like a hundred years ago we spoke about Mickey Seven on episode eighty two. And I think it's safe to say that a lot has changed since then. So I think I'm just gonna go for it here. I'm gonna go for the easy opening question and say, since so much has changed, which version of Edward Ashton are we getting today? And is he any different from the one in twenty twenty one?
1: I mean uh, a lot of things have changed in my literary career obviously, but I mean, I'm just like a jellyfish floating along on the ocean, eating whatever gets stuck in my tentacles. I'm the, I'm the same, uh... I'm the same schlub I've always been.
0: I don't believe that for a minute, but we'll take the one that we have in front of us. We'll take this version of Ed Ashton. And before we get to the book, you're going to be getting so many questions about this. Where are we with Mickey Seven? The movie is has a new title now, and it's being directed by Academy Award-winning director Bong Joon-ho. Anything you could share about
1: it? I'm not sure if you've been following how the production's been going, but the filming is wrapped. It's in post-production. They've got a scheduled release date, which is in 2024 in March. They got a a trailer out. The The first trailer is out, which I thought was pretty awesome. I actually was on set when they were capturing the footage that they used in that trailer, which makes it a little extra fun for me because I saw from behind the camera and in front of the camera. Um, I did get to spend a day on set with the producers and with director Bong, got to hang out and converse with them and really just watch hundreds of people working tirelessly to bring all this stuff that I sort of dreamed up in my head to life. And it really was a, it was a humbling and, and an amazing experience, a once in a lifetime thing, really it's something I'll never forget.
0: One of the things I would love to see and I'm excited to see in the movie is that Tony Collette is going to play Gwen. And I, you know, we talked about that last time. I really dug the Gwen character as little as she was on the page. I can't imagine what that's going to be like to see her in the movie. So I am very excited for that. So my next question is, How is your friend Mickey Lynch doing? Because, I mean, it's not every day that the inspiration for Mickey Seven is being played by Robert Pattinson.
1: (laughs) Mickey's great. Um, I I actually spoke with him uh, about a week ago. We have a group of us who have sort of periodic Zoom calls, you know, friends from college. And I have given him a little bit of grief about the book and about the terrible things that I've done to his sort of alter ego in the book. He seems to have forgiven me, though, uh, so he's, uh, he, he seems to be pleased with where it's gone. He left a nice review of the book, so I, I guess he's all right with it.
0: Like I said, being played by Robert Pattinson is probably not a bad deal either, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: That's... Oh, you could do worse. You could do worse.
0: It's really all good, all of that. Um mm-hmm. When you started the process of writing, I know when we spoke the first time, you started writing Mickey Seven, you know, in or around 2015. And when you were on the show the last time and we spoke about Mickey Seven, you were almost finished with Anti-Matter Blues. I'm thrilled the book is here. What made you decide... To continue the adventures of Mickey Barnes,
1: I felt like there was more to be said. That's really the essence of all writing, isn't it? I've, I've had a little bit of an argument back and forth with one of my friends about ChatGPT and the use of AI to generate fiction. And my argument has been why in the world would you do that? Because the point of writing, the reason we write is because we have something to say and we want to be heard. And, you know, you use an AI system like that to just produce a story for you, you're completely circumventing that problem and using it as just a way to make money. And if you just want to make money, you should go to work at 7-Eleven because you'll make a lot more and a lot faster than you will as a writer. And so that's really all I can say about why I continued the story, because I had more to say.
0: I and many listeners and readers are here for the rest of what you have to tell us, which brings us to the further adventures of Mickey Barnes. If you would, please tell listeners about Antimatter Blues.
1: So Animatter Blues is a direct sequel to Mickey 7. It takes place about two years after the conclusion of the first book. Things have gotten better for Mickey in a lot of ways at this point. The weather has gotten better. Niflheim has finally had a little bit of a spring, maybe even a summer. He has resigned from his position as, as an expendable. So he's not getting thrown into the uh, Animatter Reactor all the time and dying in horrible ways. So that that's all to the good. But at the same time, he made some decisions at the end of Mickey 7, which are now coming back to bite him on the backside. Uh, in particular, he made a choice to hide the last antimatter bomb that they took down into the creeper's lair and not bring it back to the dome. And there have been some problems with the reactor, which have caused them to need that bomb back. They need the fuel back. And so... Marshall, who is not a big fan of Mickey, never has been a big fan of Mickey, calls him out of retirement and orders him to retrieve that bomb. He thinks that it's in the keeping of the Creepers. Mickey thinks it's hidden under a rock someplace. They're both completely wrong, and things just get worse and worse for him from there, basically.
0: The book is action-packed, and it doesn't take long for that action to begin. The beauty of the book, for me, is... All of the expansion that takes place, the world building, the relationships between Mickey and Nasha and Birdo. And we even get more information about the creepers. We get brand new information about other things, other beings on Niflheim, along with very detailed descriptions about what they look like. So thank you very much. How fun was it to sort of flex that muscle and get into that expansion part of it?
1: It was great. It was an absolute joy to write this book. One of the great things about writing sequels in science fiction specifically is that you don't have to spend so much time at world building. World building is fun. I I think the world building in Mickey 7 is some of the most memorable passages in the book, but it takes up a lot of space and time that can be used for other things. And when you're writing a sequel, you no longer have to spend a lot of time explaining to the reader where you are, how the world works here, how society works here all that work is done. And so you can get right to the meat. You can get right to the fun stuff, The as you say, the action. Uh, and, and you're right. This book has a lot more things going on in it because I don't have to spend so much time explaining what's going on with the world.
0: I also appreciate your signature humor. You have some very dry humor in both books. And there are certain lines that I cannot share due to spoilers, but there is one exchange between Marshall, oh my gosh, that guy Marshall, and Mickey. And Marshall says, yes, Barnes, the fact that you're sitting here in one piece and not dispersed into your component elements and drifting through the stratosphere right now is a strong indication that we were able to bring the situation under control. And there's all kinds of lines like that. And if that doesn't set the hook for new readers, I don't know what else will. And I do appreciate you have that humor even in the most Intense situations. By the way, the audiobook is brilliantly narrated by John Perala again and Catherine Chin. It's just, uh, it's a great audio. But how true to that is your voice? Because I feel like I'm listening to you in some of those scenes.
1: I think for any author, it's something you have to fight against having your own voice come out of your character's mouths. And that's something that I work hard at during my editing process. So I, you know, I write my first draft and then I go back and one of the first things I do is an, an edit round specifically devoted to voice and making sure the characters have their own voices. But there's always little bits and pieces of me that creep in and and that particular kind of obnoxious sort of, you're so stupid that I have to explain this to you in words that would fit a two-year-old, that is I'm a little ashamed to say a tone that I take on from time to time talking to various people. And it, it's something that I try to tamp down in myself. And it's something that I brought out a little bit in Marshall because I, I like myself a little bit more than I like Marshall. So I, I let him be a little bit more of a jerk than I allow myself to be.
0: And he's he has a goal. He has a... Mandate to do certain things on Niflheim. So I, you know, from one perspective, you can see what his role is and how he has to stay true to that. And then you throw, you throw Mickey seven in to the mix. And that's just oil and water. It's very interesting to watch those two engage. And of course, the rest of the ensemble, you know, I keep mentioning Birdo and, and Nasha. I just listen, I love them. I think they're wonderful. And then, of course, we get the descriptions of one set of beings, and you describe them as six legged spiders with the creepers cutting mandible jutting from their faces. So I did put the book down for a moment or two when I read that. Thank you very much. Because I remember a scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark when Indiana Jones says, snakes, why did it have to be snakes? I may have had a similar reaction when I saw that these spider-like creatures were running around. Are you gleeful when you create these things?
1: I think, and again, I think this is something that a lot of people do. Maybe I do it more than most. As a writer, you write your own obsessions and your own fears. I was bitten by a black widow spider when I was a kid and I almost died. And sp- spiders are not, I'm not a fan of them. I never had, I wasn't before then and I certainly wasn't <laughs> afterwards. There's something that I find incredibly creepy. And so when I want to have something that produces a sort of a visceral reaction in, in my readers, that's one of my go-to things that I reach for.
0: I really don't know if I should thank you for putting that in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should thank you for having those. Sw- uh, well, that's it. Listeners, I'm not going to say more than that. But Ed Ashton is brilliant at putting descriptions of these beings. Beautifully done on the page and creepy as heck. Uh startling scary all the right things. Then we get from Ed this blended humor and this character development so you really go along for the ride. And as far as the title is concerned, was it always going to be Antimatter Blues?
1: No, it was not. Before I elaborate on that, I do have to digress just a moment to ask if you've read Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky? Yes. OK, good. So <laughs> I was going to say, if you if you really love spiders, that's that's the book for you. That's the, a couple of scenes in that book were enough to make my stomach clench. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and Thanks it, it, for
0: doing it again in this book. Just 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 I you know, we appreciate your service to humanity. Help.
1: As As far as the title goes, titles are my they are my white whale. I am absolutely awful at coming up with titles. I have a really hard time with it. Typically, I will produce a working title when I'm actually working on a book, which is usually just the name of the protagonist or something like that. I guess I can tell you the working title for this book was Mickey 7.2 Electric Boogaloo. Uh, That was not ever going to be the, the real title, but that's how it was named in my files while I was working on it. When I was done and I was ready to go to my editor, we actually got together between my agent, my editor, me and my critique group. We got together a list of I think 20 some prospective titles and this is the one that won out. And I'm 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 happy with where it came out. I really like the title, but some some of the others that were suggested were were, were not so great. That's <laughs> like I guess that's that's just not my strength.
0: Well, but I kind of like, you know, point two electric boogaloo. Also, I wonder at one point when you're sending these files to your editor, and he or she is saying, "Yeah, you know, Ed, no, <laughs> this will be the working yeah. title. <laughs> We're not doing this."
1: Yeah, I, I, I would guess I get that reaction more than, more than, more often than not.
0: And once again, with mickey seven and with antimatter blues there are different covers the artwork on these covers is just beautiful and i know listeners can't see this but i have a uk cover and the united states cover and they're both they're both just great. The UK cover designer, was that the same designer for Mickey Seven? Because it kind of looks like a similar tone, a similar style.
1: It was, yes. It's it's the same person. He he works closely with the folks at Rebellion on a lot of their projects. And I really, I like his style and I like the work that he does. So I was really happy to have him work on Animated Blues as well.
0: So I love those covers. I think they are wonderful. I know that you have this big, that you're probably going to be doing all sorts of events. I don't know if you even have the time to do or start working on anything next. Anything you can share about that?
1: Uh, I actually just turned in my next book. uh, So that's already on its way off. I I assume it's with a copy editor somewhere now. It is due out in April of 2024. And I am currently, I guess, about 20% of the way through the rough draft of the next book that will come after that.
0: And you know what? Top Shelf Podcast will be here for all of those.
1: (laughs) So you need
0: only ask, where can listeners and readers find you for all of these upcoming
1: events that you have scheduled? In terms of in-person events, the only ones I have on my calendar right now, uh, I will be in Charleston, West Virginia, the weekend of April 22nd. And I will be in Chicago for National Library Something Convention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to be on a panel there and doing a, a signing and so forth uh, at, at that event. That's amazing.
0: With librarians, love. Listen, you can't be with a more kind, a better group who will embrace this book, put it on the shelves. I know one of them personally. That would be me. Um, any book recommendations that you can make for listeners?
1: Uh, I'm reading a book right now called The Ghosts of Trappists*. It's by K.B. Wagers. I may be mispronouncing that name. It's not out yet. I'm reading an arc. It's got a little bit of everything in it. It it reminds, it, it made me think of the initial scene in The Princess Bride where the grandfather's describing the book to his grandson. He said it's got fencing and fighting and love and family and escapes and space battles. It's got sword fights. It's got kickboxing. It's, I mean, it's really pretty much anything you could think. And, and But at the end, it's military science fiction with like a beating human heart. And that's a rare thing to find. That's, you know, a lot of military science fiction is just people describing all the great uh, like mech drones and blah, 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 blah. And that's not what this is about. This is about people and characters. And, and I really, I appreciate that.
0: Well, now I'm going to be on the hunt for that galley and see if I can <laughs> Have it make its way to me. Any place readers can find you
1: on social media? Are you open for that? Or Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. I'm at Ed Eschen writing on Twitter. I'm at Bucket of Spiders on uh, Instagram.
0: And why would so, you choose that name? I, I don't know. I don't on know Ed. <laughs> I,
1: I'm, I'm a masochist, I guess. I don't know. I don't know.
0: I mean, I appreciate you're facing your fear, but good grief. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, And and of course, you you can find links to all my stuff on my website, which is edwardashton.com.
0: Amazing website. I love the website. Also, all of them, literally all of Ed Ashton's books are on the shelves at the Merrick Library. So you can find them there. You can also find them at your local independent bookstore. I will share all the links for the books that we talked about here on the podcast page for this episode, today's book, "Antimatter Blues, by today's guest, Ed Ashton, hit shelves on March 14th. So please, like I said, grab a copy at your local library or your local independent bookstore. "Antimatter Blues is published by Dutton Books. Ed, thank you so much for joining me and the listeners today on Merrick Library's Top Shelf. I hope you will join me again for whatever comes next. I am so appreciative.
1: Thank you again. I, again, I really appreciate it. And I am uh, here to chat whenever you're interested.
0: That's amazing. Listeners, I want to thank all of you for joining me today. Remember to follow Top Shelf at Merrick Library on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you find most podcasts. For the latest and the greatest at the Merrick Library, check out our website at merricklibrary.org. Special thanks to Merrick Library Director Dan Chusmier, Assistant Director Diane Bondi, and the Merrick Library Board of Directors for getting us off the ground and on to the airwaves. Until the next time, remember to keep us on your top shelf.